0: Only
1: redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. I'm gonna be that mom. Here I go. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood.
0: You know what I am proud of myself.
1: With Margaret Apples and Amy Wilson. It was like I was being called to the principal's office. A
0: podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas. So you don't have to. I sounds like I'm dressed as like the Marlboro man in this description. Welcome to What Fresh Hell. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And this week we're talking about being that mom. Amy, do you know what I mean when I say that
1: mom? It's like that thing when you know it, when you see it, but what is it exactly? And there are times when you should be and times when you shouldn't be. And how do you know? And should you care if you're that mom? That's what I want to talk about today.
0: Well, and I think that's really interesting. Should you care if you're that mom? And also, that mom has a connotation that we've talked about a lot before on the podcast, which is that mom who has to bring up food at the celebrations. And blah, blah, blah. It's like everyone kind of goofs on and rolls their eyes at that mom. But when you're not that mom for a second and your kid eat something they're allergic to, you've got a big problem. So it's the classic dilemma that we talk about of like, don't helicopter but then the second you look at your phone at the playground, someone posts on Facebook like, (laughs) God she's not even enjoying her kids lives like it's a classic no win situation that mom. And there's no that dad, I would argue, you know, that if it Oh,
1: there's no that dad, no Right? If the that dad went to the principal and said, I think we you know, shouldn't be celebrating Columbus Day anymore or whatever, people would be like rushing to give this a dad adulation for being so involved in the life of the school. Oh,
0: if a dad was like, my kid's allergic to that, people would faint away. and be like, <laughs> That dad knows what his kid is allergic to. What a hero among men. Proceed directly to the knighting ceremony. That is a sir dad right there. So I think what that mom does is that mom advocates for her kids. Right. Even
1: when it's uncomfortable. And I would argue for other people, other parents and other kids. We can talk about when, you know, when you need to do that, too. Yes, I think that's right. And it can be really trivial. We got the idea for this topic because in our Facebook group at Facebook dot com forward slash wet fresh Hellcast. Last week, there was a mom who asked a question about her daughter being afraid to go to the bathroom in the kindergarten bathroom because they have the new lights that, you know, shut off after a certain amount of time and you have to wave your hand around to keep them on. But the kid is now terrified to go to the bathroom. She won't go to the bathroom at school. And the teacher's saying, well, just tell her to wave her hands around. But it's not working for this kid. And the moms in the comments were saying, time to be that mom. And this is a trivial thing, except if you're the kid who's, you know, holding in your pee for six hours because you're terrified of the bathroom. You're terrified. Yeah. And it was time for this mom to be that mom and go to the school and be like, can you just lengthen the amount of time before the lights go off, please?
0: Yeah. And that's right. And I reminded me we were a long time ago in the before times in a hotel, a motel room, you know, whatever. We stopped on on a road trip. And the door shut and it had a little a weird little, you know how motel Like, why do they always have to do stuff differently? Instead of like opening, it had a little button you had to push and it would open the door. A sliding door. Yeah, our door opens like this. Right, like why? Like can't we just knobs have been working for a thousand (laughs) years, people. Like why do we need to improve on the doorknob? Maybe because it's germy, but I don't care. Just give me a doorknob. Anyway, my quite old kid got locked in the bathroom and freaked out. He scared himself to death. And the thing is, we were all in the motel room. He was in the bathroom. I don't know why it freaked him out so badly. And I think maybe the lights turned off as well. But anyway, he got scared. Out of his mind. Oh. And then I went and opened the door for him. I showed him how to do it. And I was like, this is how you do it. It's fine. But for some reason, it was weirdly traumatic. On our road trip back, we ended up stopping at the same room, not same room, but same hotel, motel, whatever. And he was like, everyone has to shut their eyes when I use the bathroom because I can't shut the door. And I was like, you know what? You're silly. Like, just shut the door. I'd show you how to for, But for whatever reason, he was freaked out by this experience and he wouldn't use the bathroom and wouldn't shut the door. And he's not four, you know? And so, I let it go. I was like, I'm going to give you this one for whatever reason. I can see this is really freaking you out. And I understand from a teacher's point of view that it's like you have to be able to use the bathroom and just wave your hands. And she's got 20 kids. But sometimes you do have to be like, I'm going to just let you have this one because I personally see how freaked out you are by it. And a teacher would not. You know what I mean? It made me think of that situation. I think when you need to be that mom that
1: I'll give you a takeaway that I've learned over time that if you are going to complain to the school about something, it is you will get further if you come with. Both the problem and the potential solution. Like, I think if I were the mom in this situation, I might do a little investigation of how hard is, is it exactly to change how long automatic lights stay on before they go off. If it's just something that you can, you know, switch and it takes five minutes and the electrician doesn't even need to come, then you can say this can be easily fixed. When my oldest child was three, started school, having lunch at school, they didn't want kids to bring lunch from home because of the, you know, the allergies that exist these days. This kid had had peanut butter and jelly every day for lunch three years. And they wouldn't give him just a jelly sandwich. They wanted it to be cream cheese and jelly so it had protein in it or whatever. And Oh, yes. I remember this. We've heard this tale before. This kid would rather like, OK, then I just won't eat. So he wasn't eating lunch, which, of course, led to some incredible meltdowns in the afternoons. And so I went to the school and said, can we just get a jelly sandwich for this kid? No, we can't. And so then I went and did a little research and said, here are three options of nut-free butters. That can we maybe make this option available? And I know because my kids have been at the school for 15 years that this soy nut butter sandwich is still available at lunchtime. It was easy to fix because
0: oh, you made that change.
1: Yeah, because I came with the solution, not just the why should my kid, have, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, bring the solution. And if it's easy, they'll probably
0: just do it. And I also think this is somewhere that you pick your battles a little bit, too. Right. That Like, you actually probably don't want to be that mom who's doing this three days a week, you know, like you have to, in all things parenting, pick your battles. And this is another situation where Yes, you want to be a strong advocate for your kid, and we're going to talk about so many examples of it, but I do think it's important to be like, okay, for whatever reason, this motel door, my kid, I've never seen this behavior. Something really scared him about that experience, and so I would – that situation doesn't involve anybody else, but I would have maybe, if that had happened at school and I saw how upset he was, I would call them and say – Here's the thing. I don't see this happening a lot. And this thing really freaked him out. Can we make some adjustments until he gets over it? But if I'm doing that, you know, three times a week, they're going to say like, oh, here comes crazy mom who doesn't And there may still be situations in which that's appropriate. So let's talk about some other examples. Although while we're on this topic, I'm going to talk about what Courtney said, which I think is really interesting. For school situations, I have found that getting involved and getting to know teachers, coaches, staff and admins as early as possible is essential. Because when I need to be that mom, there's a better chance of getting positive results. Yeah, well said. Very well said. But Melissa does point out, I so agree. But because of COVID restrictions, parents aren't allowed in my kids' school. And I don't like that I won't be able to develop those relationships. And I will say, I'm trying to do it a little bit by email. And it's not the same. But I reach out and I say, and I don't do it just to, like, kiss up to the teachers and try to get in good with them. Because I'm way in on this school. This school knows me. This is my third kid going through this elementary school. But I do in the email exchanges, like, hey, make sure they bring their computers next week or hey, you know, she didn't have this one form filled out. I write back and I say, thanks so much. I can't believe how much you guys are having to deal with this year. You know, my kid is really having a great experience in your class despite all these obstacles. So thanks so much. Like I'm trying to build relationships even through email. And I agree that it's not so easy, but I think it is a good thing to do because, again, When you have some relationships and you have a personal relationship, it's obviously easier to go in and say, hey, I need these things to work in this certain way. Especially right now, right, where these
1: poor teachers are being asked to teach 37 different ways and on, you know, crackle boom software and all this. They have so much more going on than usual. And so the fact that your kid doesn't like cream cheese and jelly is not really making their list. But, you
0: know, it should be nice. I think that's exactly the divide that happens that causes a lot of the that mom problems, which that your kid Let's make that an allergy, right? So now the stakes for you are much, much higher, right? Right. And then the teacher is, that's 86th on her list of priorities, but it's first on yours. And I mean, if it's a anaphylactic, you know, really deadly allergy, then maybe it's higher on her list. But I think we have to come in with the perspective of, okay, my kid is my number one priority. My kid is one of this person's 20... Priorities, if it's the principal, one of these kids, you know, this person's 300 priorities. And I do think that this is where this sometimes gets off. You know, Carrie gives advice. She says that teachers roll their eyes at
1: the sort of that mom who goes right to the principal for a minor issue instead of talking to the teacher first. And I think that's a good potential takeaway, too. If it's possible to not take it up the flagpole, talk to the teacher first. And then if you don't get somewhere, then maybe you do need to escalate. But, you know, escalating unnecessarily might create some Resentment, But sometimes you have to. But I recently, with one of my children, had to escalate an issue and talked to somebody at the school who ended up forwarding my concerns to the principal without asking me, just did it. And then the principal reached out to me over email. Can we talk about this? And I was so scared. It was like I was being called to the principal's office. And I think what I was primarily scared of is being that mom, that this principal was going to be like, oh, what's this lady going to say? The principal was not like that at all. The principal was genuinely interested in what I had to say. And we were able to improve the situation without some people being necessarily the wiser that it was me making the complaint. So in that case, it really worked. But I was really nervous about being seen as a complainer.
0: And I think it's important. It's funny at drop off this morning, we were having this conversation. One of my kids forgot their homework. And she's like, I just hate that experience when you have to go and tell the teacher that you forgot it. And then that walk back to your desk where everyone's staring at you. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so true. (laughs) the walk of shame. And then my other kid was telling her, you know, he had a situation. It was maybe two years ago. He remembers it very clearly. He got in pretty big trouble at the school, called to the principal's office. He did something quite foolish in an attempt, I think, to try to be funny. Didn't read as funny. And it was, you know pretty bad got called to the principal's office and he's like imagine my walk back from the principal's office <laughs> and we were kind of talking about it it was cute they were sharing their perspectives but then i also said you know what this is a good example though of the school knows you you know they know that you're a generally well-behaved kid who made one like whopper of a stupid mistake while trying to be funny you know and that i think applies to all these situations like be a known quantity and then pick your battles and you won't have to uh, you know have that that mom feeling quite as much but I think we should dive into some more examples we're already on solutions Amy okay let's talk about food allergies which is super super serious for so many people Sarah says my son had life-threatening food allergies when he was younger I mama bared the blank out of that situation that was unsafe for him especially in school settings Ingrid says same for her Michelle me too Marlena says I feel like this comes most for me when dealing with my son's severe food allergies, I just have to be way more tough than my norm when going over allergy protocol with this preschool and other caregivers.
1: It's so stressful. And they're never that mom, the allergy. I'm sure they worry about being perceived that way. But I mean, I, that's a shame if you're made to feel like you're being annoying when you're advocating for your kid's health and safety.
0: Well, but I know I think this is something that is changing and the understanding of it around it is changing. But I think I've definitely dealt with it and seen moms dealing with it in terms of our entire school is moving basically towards food free because food based celebrations are really complicated for allergy parents. And so, yeah. Rather than have the situation where, okay, it's the cast party. Now you have to make an entirely separate dessert that and your kid can't touch anyone else's thing. And it's like you put your kid in this really difficult situation over something that could just be food free. And I'm team food free. I feel like we don't need all this food at school. It's complicating for people. Yeah. But I do understand that like the. Moms who, for years, have been in charge of the cast parties and how much fun it is, and it is kind of fun. but the kids don't need to have seventeen like cakes and rice crispy treats because they did a play and then go back to school. But <laughs> I do understand that they're kind of they don't have kids with boot allergies, and there is sort of this like, "Oh, why do we have to ruin it for everyone? all respect to the mamas who are standing up and saying, "Listen." This is really life or death for my kid. Or even if it's just, you know, this really doesn't agree with my kid. It makes them sick. You don't want a kid who has having like digestion problems at school. That's really uncomfortable for kids. I have a Facebook friend who has a kid with severe allergies, and
1: she was talking on Facebook about having to fly with this kid, and that's where you need to be that mom, and I'm sorry, guy sitting in 8B, I don't care if you like it or not, my kid, this kid was flying with face shields before coronavirus, like, if he, like, breathes in some you know, salted peanut dust. He could go into anaphylactic shock on the aircraft and she just has to be a warrior about it. But she gets a lot of pushback from people who really think it's a drag that they can't have the Cracker Jack that they brought on board.
0: Yeah. And I do think that this is something the more we understand about it, the better people are getting about it. But yeah, we still got a ways to go. And in the meantime, shout out to you, allergy warrior mama bears. Good job. Seriously. All right. We'll be right back. Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to Lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N
1: dot M-E, Lumen.me, and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you,
0: Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so not surprisingly, in this category of being that mom, we heard from a ton of moms who have kids with special needs, IEPs 504s and who are you know trying to navigate the educational system with their kids who for whatever reason were not you know made to fit directly in that school mold Uh, I have a kid like this myself I have a kid with an IEP and uh been that mom. And I think it's something that calls out the that mom and many moms. Yeah. I mean, I don't have an IEP exactly, but I have a kid who needs to have special
1: treatment and I do get some eye rolls from some teachers. And you know when it's a problem? When there's a new teacher or a substitute teacher who doesn't understand That this kid's telling the truth that they don't do this certain thing or they don't have to do it or they don't get to do it. And it's like, oh, come on, you know, and you have to kind of advocate over and over again every time there's somebody new in the situation.
0: Brooke says my middle daughter has always had a hard time in school. There were a lot of family changes during her first year of kindergarten, and we made the decision to repeat and it was fine. The teacher started pushing to medicate for her ADHD, which she was never diagnosed with. I have no issue with meds at all, but I didn't think she needed. And I pushed back. And this story ends up pretty well. And Brooke did the right thing by advocating for her kid. And, you know, I think there are times where you have to advocate for medication for your kid. I think there are times you have to advocate against medication for your kid. I've been in both situations. And I do. I think this is an area where you got to be that mom generally. Mm hmm. The only thing I will say going back, because I have been in this world on many sides of it, is I think, again, this is an area where things can get contentious very, very quickly. And I put in people's path, stay open to what other people are telling you about your kid. And it is really, really hard. Yes. Stay open to what people are telling you is I don't want to say wrong with your kid, but in this context, I will just say wrong with your kid, although that's obviously not the construct I believe in and stay open to what people are telling you your kid is capable of.
1: That's really good advice. In these situations, you need to be aware. I mean, you're coming in sort of armed for combat i'm going to protect my kid and i'm going to get my kid the accommodations they need i'm not saying you don't need to be ready to be adversarial because sometimes you do but i think usually the teachers and administrators come into these meetings with a lot of nervousness and as you say sometimes some things that you might need to hear so it's when you're being that mom you also have to keep your ears open and that's that's a hard balance
0: it's a really hard balance. I think a lot of people can come into this situation with good intentions, and it can blow up spectacularly in spite of that. Mm-hmm. Jen said something that I thought was interesting. I didn't, talking about going to her kid's IEP, I didn't say anything mean. I didn't raise my voice for the first time in my life, though I did not back down. It was very obvious they didn't care for me voicing my opinions or expressing my concerns. And she said a friend gave her the advice, your son needs to matter more than their opinion of you. So good really great point from Jen's friend. Congratulations, Jen's friend. Because I do think that this is also where you're coming from matters a lot. I'm a person who kind of can come in like guns blazing. I have a strong personality and a loud voice. And (laughs) it has been a little bit more of a learning for me to try to put my arms down a little bit and come in and listen first. But that's my adjustment i think for other people who feel like authority figures and i don't like to speak up to them and i don't want to rock the boat need to practice coming in armed with the right information and armed to advocate well that's what i want to
1: ask about because i feel like approaching this topic we come at it like you have to be careful and you have to know when to do it i mean people will like you or not like you but how much do we need to take that into
0: account anyhow is that something we're overthinking? You have to take into account zero whether people like you or don't like you. You do, I think, when you become an advocate as a role, there is a danger that your advocacy becomes very central to your self view Uh-huh. and that your advocacy role gets in the way sometimes of hearing, you know hey, your kid has actually really had a great year and, you know, is ready for a little bit more independence. And if you've had the bad experience of like, oh, they're not looking out for my kid and they're not giving him the right services. Don't miss hearing that. You know, I think that we can just get locked into corners in these situations of advocacy and that it is good to keep an open mind. And you know what's going on generally. I mean, A lot of people live places where there are no services. There are bad services. They're trying to keep your kid off of services because they don't want to budget for it. I mean, if that's the situation, you know, advocate, advocate, advocate. But Jess Leahy was on and she was talking to us. She wrote this book, The Gift of Failure, and talking about kids of all, you know, levels and needs and abilities and saying, try to find the difference between what your kid can't do and what your kid won't do yes because if your kid can't do something there's nothing you can do really at a certain point If your kid can't see the kid can't see that's a specific kind of an issue but if your kid won't do homework is there a way to work with that and i think when these situations become wildly adversarial then the opportunity to find some common ground and work on behalf of your kids sometimes goes out the window
1: I think the true north in these situations, like how to make sure you're not being that mom and you're not seeing it accurately, is something you said before, which is you know your kid all the time. The math teacher only knows your kid in math class, right? So if your kid is really struggling, really crying, being really resistant about doing math homework, but only math homework, that's information you have that the math teacher doesn't. And so... You can listen to what the math teacher is saying, but then I feel like you can advocate for yourself like my kids crying every night about math homework and not about social studies homework. So there must be something we can do here.
0: And when you know you're right, draw your lines. I mean, I had this situation, which I've talked on the podcast before of when my kid was young and struggling a lot in school because of different issues. I opted completely out of homework because I felt that for him to get through a six hour day in kindergarten was all I could ask of him, and that when he got home, he needed to go into his sensory bill and roll around and do whatever he wanted to do, spin in circles on the you know swings, whatever it was he needed. And that what he didn't need is as hard as he was trying in six hours, he didn't need to come home and then sit with me and have me yell at him to get a math packet done. Yeah. And so I opted out of that and... I got horrible pushback from the school and the teacher who really were like, well, if you're not going to do your part, we really can't do our part. I mean, real bad. And but I knew I was right. And I stood my ground because I 100 percent knew that was the right thing for my kid. And guess what? He didn't fall behind because I didn't do math worksheets with him in kindergarten. But it was a little bit hard to go to parent teacher conferences where they were basically like, I hope you're proud of yourself. And I was like, you know what? I am proud of myself. Back off, fools. You had to absorb the blows. In order to
1: protect your kid, you had to be that mom. The teachers were maybe saying how annoying you were in the break room that morning. Like, who cares? And as you can say now, 10 years later, it doesn't matter. But it matters then.
0: Yeah. And Melinda says this. Well, I think always have been that mom who advocates for services and supports for my autistic daughter. Always her voice. We can respectfully disagree. And I'm always that mom in a graceful way. And I think, I don't know that you even have to be graceful. Amy says about marriage, right? Same team. And I think sometimes in IEP meetings, that same team thing breaks down really quickly. Uh And I've had some very contentious IEP meetings. And I have found that trying to approach an IEP meeting, even with people I think are unreasonable, even with people I don't think are representing my kids' needs correctly, from the point of view of, we're on the same team. You're so great. Let's just find a solution. I get a lot more that way than going in and being like, I'm here with my like guns blazing. It's just something practical that I've found. But it's also... It's not just pretending to be listening. It's actually listening, right? There's a little bit
1: of a difference there. Like, you actually do have ears open and you are taking things in. As hard as that is, that's how you're going to have an effective outcome.
0: And I am sometimes pretending to be more respectful than I feel, you know? Right. I did go into that kindergarten teacher and not say, like, you don't understand my kid, you moron. I'm like, wow, you are just such an amazing teacher. And I feel like he gets so much out of your class. But then by the end of the day, whatever, he's got his struggles and he just isn't really up for homework. She's much more willing to say, you know, okay, let's work together. Then when I walk in and I'm like, listen, not moron, which is what I'm thinking in my head. Julie <laughs> says something funny. For some reason, when she went into her kid's IEP, I decided to wear my mother's diamond ring to the meeting to ask for services. I had it in my head. If they thought I was rich, they might fear a lawsuit. So I wanted to give them a signal that I was that rich mom, <laughs> the one who's going to give them a bunch of trouble. And this made me laugh because I used to do pitch meetings in Los Angeles. You go into like a studio and you're like, here's my idea. There's a maid, but really she's a robot. And you try to sell them your idea. You guys can steal that one if you want. But I had very specific like power items i would wear and i would wear these like high heel cowboy boots that made me feel really like strong and powerful i had a belt with a big belt buckle like it sounds like i'm dressed as like the marlboro man in this description but anyway (laughs) but it worked there are just certain power items like red lipstick whatever it is that gives you that like power feeling i think that's another really good thing to do if you struggle with being that mom like find a couple power items if they're a big clunky pair of heels What? find some clothing items you don't have to find a diamond ring because we don't have, all have access to those but something You know, this makes me think of my own like
1: showbiz background. I took an audition class because you have to be good at acting, but you also have to be good at auditioning. And the best audition class I ever took, the woman taught us everything from like how you open the door, how you walked in, how you leave, that you are in all things creating what she called a contagion of like, look how great I would be to work with. Look how just relaxed and wonderful I seem. I seem really cool. You want to work with me, right? And you do When you have to be that mom, I think, have to take a couple deep breaths before you go in so that you're not radiating steam coming out of your ears, but you're radiating. Here I am so reasonable and ready to work with you about this thing I'm going to get.
0: Absolutely. And I think, listen, I know I've walked this walk, guys. I know a lot of people who have and I'm not trying to dismiss ever. Oh, you can just get what you want in an IAP meeting by being nicer. Not true. A lot of people have really serious issues that they're trying to bring up and the schools and the administrators are trying to nickel and dime them. And like, I'm not coming at you and saying, go advocate for your kids. Fundamentally, that's the top of your triangle. Try to stay open to like how other people can help you with that. But don't ever hear me saying like, don't be that mom, because this is a situation where you want to be that mom. I want to go to something that really moved me in this section, which is a lot of people had remembrances of their moms being that mom. This is something to hold on to. You know, I get emotional. I lost my mom, so I get very emotional talking about it. But, you know, this is the mom you're trying to be. This is the mom I remember. Yeah, you remember those moments in your life with her. Yeah. Amy, read a bunch of a couple of those for us because I'm going to start bawling otherwise (laughs) and it's going to be unseemly.
1: Sarah says, I remember my mom being that mom for me and being embarrassed at the time, but being so grateful now. That's such a good point. Your kid could probably be standing there like mom with their arms folded and they might even, you know, take it out on you later if they're standing there while you do it. But that doesn't mean they won't be grateful or that you shouldn't do it.
0: Yeah. Jordan remembers her mom pushing for months until she finally got diagnosed with dyslexia. And her whole childhood, she fought really hard to make sure that she didn't fall behind. I'm very thankful for that. Can I read Tracy's
1: because this really I identify with this one Tracy Tracy's child has juvenile arthritis which is invisible she's very stoic she doesn't complain there was a new high school swim coach who didn't listen to her child when she said she needed to go easier the coach said oh please you have arthritis I've never heard about that before and then made her kid continue the routine she was
0: doing Tracy got involved. Oh, Tracy, I'm sure you got involved. Hats off to you, Tracy. But our kids do see this. They see the advocacy that we do for them, and it means something to them. And exactly, even at the time, if they find it, you know, embarrassing or they don't see it and they're not grateful, these people remember their moms being that mom. And I think your kids will remember you being that mom. Yeah, that's worth it. All right. We'll be right back. And now, your guide to that mom. From the What Fresh Out podcast, that mom who's everyone's mom. Sure, it's fun to be the super cool tween messing with the littler kids and using curse words in the library parking lot. Until that mom who's everyone's mom comes around. She'll give you a firm talking to on your language. And watch out, because you'll be mumbling yes, ma'am, while shuffling away, staring at the tops of your shoes before you know what hit you. That IEP mom.
1: Look out, school administrators. You may think you're ready to present your assessment at this kid's IEP meeting, but that IEP mom's come armed with a 65-page PowerPoint detailing her kid's needs. You'll be offering extra speech intervention and testing supports before you can say specific, measurable results. You've given her advanced notice of time and place, and she's down to
0: advocate. That Allergy Mom. Heads up, businessman in 31B. You're expecting a bag of peanuts with that gin and tonic, but not today, because you're no match for Allergy Mom. She's not afraid to shut down your mild enjoyment of snacking to, you know, save the life of her child. She's charmed the flight attendants, and your peanut dust will not be airborne on her watch, dude. That Soccer Mom. Uh Oh, Coach Ralph, you seem to be
1: under the impression that you're training the Springfield Squirrels for their shot at Olympic gold. But guess what? They're nine. That soccer mom's kid doesn't want to be the next Ronaldo. He wants to run around, have some fun and occasionally eat orange slices. And guess what? You're going to let him play or you're
0: going to have a problem, Coach Ralph. That Corona-compliant mom. Wear your mask with your nose sticking out. Not while this mom's on the case. She'll call out large public gatherings while doling out the free hand sanitizer supplies she always keeps in her purse. That Corona-compliant mom maintains a proper social distance while making it quite clear that observing the CDC guidelines benefits us all. Show some respect. This has been your guide to
1: that mom from the What Fresh Hell podcast. So, I want to ask you about when you think it's okay to be that mom for other people. I have always kind of figured that it was sort of if somebody didn't like something was happening, they should speak up. It's not my place to do it. But I had a conversation with a friend recently who had to go to bat for a same sex family at her elementary school, that there was something that was really insensitive in a project that the kids had to do that didn't include the possibility that your parents might be same sex. And my friend went to bat for these friends who contacted her later and were so grateful about it. But, she, you know, she didn't talk to them about it. She just did it. But she said, no, they can't do it. As they explained to her when they reached out to her, like, we can't do this stuff and feel like we can stay at the school. We don't want any more attention to our kids than they might already be getting. And they couldn't speak up for themselves. And it just it kind of dawned to me. I hadn't really thought about that, that there are times that you need to see something and be an advocate for somebody else who might not. Feel they can be that mom.
0: Oh, for sure. And I think we talked about this when we were talking about racism with our kids. Like that's something that you know has come up for me with my friendships and advocating. Just because there are maybe fewer moms of color, and like how do we work with our friends who are moms of color to advocate for? better inclusion in the schools, you know, wider education in the schools. I think you got to do all of that that momming. Yeah. And I also think there's a very practical thing where like if I'm at the library and I hear kids bullying another kid, I will walk over there and my kids just like basically try to collapse books on themselves (laughs) until they disappear. But like if I hear kids using bad language at the library, I walk over and I'm like, gentlemen, let's watch our mouths, please. I don't get into it with them, but I'm getting into this a little bit. And I think one of the other big categories we saw here was bullying. And this is something I'm starting to struggle with as my kids get a little older. They've got phones. They've got texts going back and forth. I know these kids. You know, I've been with them since they were little kids. The moms are friends. I will occasionally on Fortnite, walk by and be like you know guys cut it out you're being obnoxious would you please and it's sticky because i don't want to put my kid in a lower position we're like oh you told your mom on us but at the same time i'm kind of not having it right and so i feel like i'm kind of a large background presence like don't fool around with me or my kids yeah i
1: don't have any problem with that, with telling other kids that some kids at a baseball field once were really like bullying, like we never even met these kids. And they were, you know, really being mean to my middle child. And I let them have it. And their parents were nearby. And I didn't care. And you could tell the way this kid was looking at me like, nobody has ever told me that I couldn't do exactly what I pleased every moment of my life. I'm like, maybe the first kid, you may not talk to my child like that. There I have no problem. I never think it's a problem. I might lean in.
0: Yeah, I do think there can be an issue as my kids are getting into the middle school grades where they have to start fighting their own battles to a certain degree, because I could definitely see being that mom that's like, I will march over there. It's like, okay, you go deal with this because I don't want the I'm not going to be there when they're in college getting bullied, you know. So I do think I have to back off of it. I'm struggling with that right now. This is another area where you have to watch your own story and watch, check your story a little bit. If you feel that it is out of control and it is bullying, go in and advocate. You also have to understand that from the teachers and administrators point of view, that they've had a lot of people come in and be hostile and aggressive on issues where they see something different, right? So then they're at school and sometimes moms come in and are like, my child's being horribly bullied. And the teacher is thinking, that's not exactly what I see. This is complicated. And I will say, I work on this for myself. When my kids come home and say, I'm being bullied, I'm like, tell me the whole story. What happened? I want to know. And believe me, there are situations in which... There are kids who are getting really horrifically bullied, and those kids need advocates and You should advocate for them unapologetically, but just know where you are in the spectrum. check your story. you know there's a mom of a
1: transgender child explained to me that how she knew she needed to advocate for her kid was that her kid was being consistent, insistent, and persistent, that this was something that they needed help with. And I, that occurs to me that that's a rubric you could apply to the bullying as well. Is your kid saying, I'm being bullied on Tuesday, but then you don't hear about it again? Is your kid saying, Johnny's mean, and on Thursday, Johnny showed me his cool new you know phone? I don't know. Like If the kid is insistent, consistent, persistent, that they can't do something, that they're afraid of something, that they need help with something, then I would believe them.
0: I think that's right. And believe me, I'm trying to put in some people's path, the other point of view. But again, if your kid's being bullied, go in there and advocate for them. Bullying is damaging to children. Should not happen. And then, as I am struggling with, figure out where they can take this over. Figure out where they can figure this out for themselves. Because I'm trying to figure that out. I have a kid who is kind of an easy target in some ways and does get bullied. And I find myself wanting to fight all of his battles for him because he struggles and I'm fighting it a little bit. Now, if he was coming home, if I saw it breaking his spirit, if I saw it really damaging him, I do and would get involved, but I am trying to back out of it a little bit because there is bullying. And then there is like social jockeying that goes on between kids that is right I don't know if it's appropriate but like they've got to be able to survive that to a certain degree and my kid is super sensitive so sometimes I'm like oh no that one you've got to just figure out I mean kids are allowed to have different opinions anyway listen to our bullying episode I won't go down the whole thing but like kids are allowed to not play with you. Kids are allowed to not like you, but they're just not allowed to target you. Yeah, it helps. Yeah, Kids are allowed to say something
1: mean to you. Yeah, just not every day. Can I suggest something that seems kind of obvious, but now as I'm thinking about it, like this is a, an important takeaway. If you're not sure whether to be that mom, talk it out with another mom that you really trust first, because if that other friend agrees with you, then there might be strength in numbers, or you will at least get to check your story and make sure that, you know, that it's not gauzy
0: in some way and you're seeing your kid in too perfect of a light. I want to go to Maggie's because I think this one really stuck out to me. It was super interesting. A different take on this topic than I thought of when we were thinking about it. Okay. She says, I have four kids within five years of age. Yes, I know. This is my own fault. (laughs) (laughs) What's a whole other episode. (laughs) Exactly. I made some of the same mistakes, Maggie, although I stopped earlier. When my oldest started kindergarten, the plan was for her to ride the school bus. The bus stops a block away from our house. The thought of bundling up my three-year-old, 18-month-old and newborn in addition to my kindergartner each morning for a trip to the bus stop was enough to turn me into that mom. I called the bus depot in our district and asked if they could move the bus stop you know what they did they moved it to right in front of our house right and this is another thing where i think that again we've talked about this in a lot of different contexts like do we put ourselves last are we afraid to speak up are we afraid to say no and that this is a great example of being that mom where hey would it be a lot more inconvenient to stop right in front of my house so i could leave my newborn in the bassinet and just open the door and let her out no, it wouldn't, ma'am. We'd be happy to do that. OK, great. Like, right. <laughs> you don't have to advocating for things sometimes is really helpful. And this is a situation where I know my sister-in-law, at some point, the rule was, you know, different grades on different soccer teams. And she just called them and she said, my kids are 14 months apart. Can they just play on the same soccer team so I don't have to go to two different games and blah, 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 blah. And they said, you know what? Fine. We'll make it work. And they might say no. But there are a billion examples of why don't you ask and see if it works? Right. Like I said before, particularly if you come with
1: the solution, not just the problem. There was a huge traffic jam in front of our apartment building every day. And so I like called the city and said, you need to put a left turn arrow at this traffic light. And they sent people out. And guess what? They changed the traffic light just because somebody thought to be like, you should fix this. But I went not just with the problem, which was a traffic jam outside my building every single day, but the solution. There needs to be a left arrow
0: at this intersection. This is great. Melissa is also out there advocating. I'm definitely that mime sometimes. Most recently, I wrote to my member of parliament regarding concerns I have with a pilot lunch program. Listen to this, Amy. You and Melissa, while you live across the sea from each other, you have the same idea. Her rule of thumb is be kind and offer solutions. Always offer solutions. There you go. She's on the same page as you. Love it. The that mom in me
1: sees the that mom in you, Melissa. That's
0: exactly it. And I do think part of this is letting go of this image, right? And I've often, I mean, how many of us have made this phone call? So I don't want to be that mom. Yep. But, and it's fine, it's fine to say, you know, I realize this may fall into your stereotype of what a mom is. But and where is a big place where this is coming up, Amy, is COVID, right? And coronavirus. And we've talked about this. We had an episode, What to Do When Everyone is Doing This Differently. Yeah. And this is a great example of this. And I have had this conversation a hundred times. I don't want to be that mom, but are the kids wearing masks in your car if you're taking them? Yep. I don't want to be that mom, but I want my kid in a mask and I want everybody in the house in a mask whenever they're indoors. And if using that sort of disclaimer
1: beforehand makes it easier, then go for it. Right. That seems to me that's actually pretty useful. Yeah. I'm not going to be that mom, but
0: I'm going to be that mom. Here I go. And I think we often answer questions for people. Well, how do I do this because it's so hard on my kid cries when I want to go exercise or how do I do this because it's so hard because I want them to do this, but they're not doing it. You need to flip the story to. I am defending my kid by doing this thing. I am making my kid stronger by leaving her alone for an hour every day with her dad so they can figure out their relationship. And so I think here you flip the story to... I'm following the guidelines and the rules that have been set out for me. And that says people wear a mask that covers their mouth and nose. So if I, my kid comes home and says, oh, the teacher wears their mask on their chin all day, I might make a phone call and say, hey, what's going on with that? Yeah, Because as I understand the guidelines, the mask only works if you cover your mouth with it. And they may say the teacher is 10 feet away from them. And when she is, she takes it down. And then you can say, You know what? I'd be more comfortable if they kept it up the whole time. I was just at a work meeting and we were in a conference room and the person starting the conference said, well, is everyone more comfortable with masks on or off? And I said, I think the guidelines are on. Let's leave them on, you know. And I do think that people feel this weird politeness of like, well, I don't want to be the person who seems uptight about this. It's okay to be the person who seems uptight about this.
1: Yeah. Speaking as somebody who you guys know, we've dealt with long term effects of COVID in my immediate family. It's worth it to be that mom in this situation for sure.
0: I think how we're solving this, Amy, is that we're coming out. It's worth it to be that mom. Yeah. The only thing we're pushing back a little bit gently and putting your path is like when if you're always that mom, if you're that mom 10 times a week, check yourself. (laughs) If you're that mom to the degree that you are not getting good incoming information. Check yourself But you use your juice right If you are not open to incoming Don't that mom shield up so much That you block yourself From what might be useful Incoming information From people you might respect Solved it solved it. Guys, this was an amazing thread. We got to like a third of the responses. So go to our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash whatfreshhealthcast and check out the rest because there are so many interesting insights and people are having really interesting sub-conversations on this thread. It's great. I feel so
1: great about that. So proud of the community that we are a part of. Thank you guys. We're going to put the link to this particular discussion also up in the show notes for this episode. You can swipe or tap wherever you're listening or go to our website, Podcast.
0: Guys, we'll talk to you next time and keep rocking that moms. Be that mom. (laughs) Bye.
2: If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life?